This is your host, Dr. Mesma Shabazz. Good afternoon, world and beautiful people. I am so grateful for your presence and in listening to this conversation every other week. Today, I have Katina Fraser. I call her Tina most of the time. And as my guest, she's the first person who is coming from a younger generation, Generation X. So I'm so pleased we're going to have an interesting conversation. Welcome, Tina. Thank you. How are you today? I'm doing okay. And yourself? Pretty well. Pretty good. Pretty good. You and I know each other. Yes. And do you want to share a memory how we met or how we know the each memory, other? The memory that sticks out for me when we met is I was married young. So I have, I still have my married last name, even though I'm divorced. But when I sent my information to the school, you were the director of admissions. I sent my information to the school and it couldn't be found. And I was just beside myself. Like I need to start college. I need to start. And it turns out it was under my maiden name, but I forgot it was under my maiden name. And still somehow you didn't like kick me out of your office or get upset with me or not even hire, like you hired me after that. So I still think of that funny story because I was just like beside myself. Like I need to start college like now. Right. <laughs> and, That's and, the memory and, I have. <laughs> and I remember you came in and as you said, you worked in my office as a staff member. And one of the things that sticks out to me is whilst we were working hard to get everything organized in the office, you were one person I could depend on a hundred percent. Whilst the other staff I had were, were not to say some not so kind things about, they were going out of their way to make things quite difficult. Yeah. But I could always rely on you and make be confident that whatever came across your desk was done absolutely perfectly and beautifully. So I'm very, very, very grateful for that because you saved me many times and you even caught some errors. Oh, that wow. were being made and you bring it to my attention and we kind of fixed it. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Thank so, you. Yeah, it's nice having you. As I said, you are about my, my daughter's age group. So I see you as a daughter as well. And and I valued you taking me aside sometimes and saying, hey, <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Or hey, this would be more professional. Like I really really took those lessons. And I really, especially the work-study position, I treated it or tried to treat it like it was, people say it was just a college job. I try to treat it like it it was a real job. And that's what I look for in my work-study students now. I'm like, are you going to take this seriously? Because I'm giving you projects that have my name attached to it. (laughs) So (laughs) so that stayed with me. Right. And it has to be done well. And But the work we do is a reflection of who we are. Yes. Right. And so in being able to do it well shows that not only do we care about how we present ourselves to, to others, but we take pride in what we do. Yes. Right. Now, you work in higher ed, as I do, or I did full-time then, now I do part-time teaching. And in the community college environment, there are a lot of first-generation students that come in school What are some of the things you learned that you could pass on to those who are thinking about college, et cetera, and what they could do to get through some of the not-so-easy 
things that they come across? The first thing that comes to mind to me is to try to steer clear from student loans. That's at the top of the list for me, because even though I had grants, I was in a position where I did have taller children, but I could have taken out less loan. And I didn't understand all of the the fine print and how each loan had a separate minimum payment. (laughs) So (laughs) I kind of racked those up a little bit. I just didn't, it was ignorance. So get educated, read everything. I had a schedule set in place for myself. I had a little spreadsheet that I would make and carve out time for my studies just to make sure I was disciplined and staying on track. As a first-generation student, well, actually, my mom kind of finished not too soon after I started, but it was just working on my mindset. It was, and I wanted to be there. So it, it, it does depend also on your attitude. Some people talk down about community college, but it was a great experience for me. And I told them, you know, you can, you can go over there and spend all that money if you want to for the gen eds, but it was a wonderful experience for me. You, you get in what you get out, what you put in, I should say. And at that time I put in all I had because I was trying to get out of my situation and I had my children to think about. Yeah. As you were speaking about community colleges and I still teach there. So I would really impress upon people to take a second look at a community college, because Mm -hmm. sometimes there's a stigma attached if you you go to community college versus four year. Mm -hmm. But if you go to a community college and you really work hard and graduate with an associate's degree, you can transfer to any four-year institution as you did and get your bachelor's and then even to your master's, right? Mm -hmm. Was it easier for you doing it that way? I am a person who doesn't like large crowds anyway. So, and I know I've grown up in Middletown. I was born in Middletown. So to me, it was familiar and it was good because it was not as large as the big universities. Some people, I guess, might want that whole experience. But also I was a non-traditional student. I had already had a young family at that time as well. Mm -hmm. So it just worked for me. Yeah. And the scheduling was transitioning as I was getting closer to graduation. They started offering more online classes as well, which helped with my situation with my toddler children as well. So that's good. That's good. Now, as we are going, you've done a lot of other things, as I mentioned, you've finished your bachelor's and also your master's, right? Yes, I finished my master's last year. That's so proud of you. And you've also served on some leadership positions outside of the college environment. Yes. More recently, I just finished a seat in the Planning and Zoning Commission in Middletown. There was a person who vacated their seat. They stepped down and I was asked to step up. I submitted my resume and got sworn in. So I served for about a year and my term was just finished this past October. So that was an experience. What did you do? I was an alternate commissioner. So that meant if one of the regular regular commissioners were absent, we would rotate and fill their seat for that evening. So things would come before us for, like if a business wanted to set up shop in a certain area, we had to make sure it was zoned for that area. We had to make sure, you know, what were they doing? Did they have enough parking space? Were they potentially taking space or something away from the businesses that are attached to them? all those type of things. If somebody wanted to build an addition to their home, like all these things, I didn't even know you you have to fill out a permit. You have to get permission. And I took the seat because I feel like we need more 
diversity in these committees. Like I didn't even know growing up that these committees existed, but they can, for the most part, determine what can come in and out of your city, right? <laughs> what you have access to. So we definitely need diversity of color and even gender on, on these commissions. That's very important because I noticed even at the college environment and many other, even in church, if you go to a church that is not as diverse, you see all the communities have maybe all male, white male, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe one person of color mm-hmm. every so often. And I think it it's important that we all kind of participate in the processes that are around us, right? And even I forgot to mention and even class because I'm a part of the, the current Republican town committee and growing up in poverty and coming out of, you know, being in a new tax bracket. Now it's interesting. I think I bring a different perspective because sometimes they say things and I'm thinking that's not what our current population needs right now. Or you're not thinking of everybody. <laughs> you're thinking of your experience and what you've known. But I I come from this. You know, I come from here. And I felt that was an important contribution as well. Well, there's a saying that you have to be the change you want to see right. in your environment, right, and in your life. So uh, that is very uh, interesting. What else did you do? You're a member of the administrators. Uh, yes. So we have, um, there's different organizations and groups on campus where I work. And one of them is the Administrators of Faculty and Color Alliance. And um, so we gather, well, before COVID, we gather once a month for mostly fellowship, but also to see the change, to, to create the change we wanted to see on campus as well. And even just to be a support for each other, because we are, I don't like the term minority, but we are smaller in number there. So it's nice to have community. Right. Um, so I'm on the executive board. So mostly my role is to, um, to help kind of vote on what we're going to talk about, what we're going to bring in. But also, like I handle sometimes the updating of the website and just different things like that. Okay. Do you have a large group on campus or would you say? Um, I don't, I mean, to me, it's pretty large, but I don't know how many of us it is. I, I don't know if it's maybe 50 or more. I don't know. I don't know the exact number. Okay. All right. Now, one of the interesting things I noticed is you also have other interests outside of work and your leadership positions. Now, as a mother of four, how do you balance all these? How I think do you it's a little bit easier because my children are older now. One of them is, he moved out, he's engaged. Other three are, one just turned 21, 19, and my youngest will be 17 in January. So they're kind of, for the most part, independent. So that gives me a little bit more time. When I was younger, I was not able, when they were younger, I should say, I was not able to pursue my master's and finish the way I wanted to. So I put that out for a while. And I'm kind of glad I did because when I took the job, it came with the benefit of being able to to obtain my master's there. So that worked out. But yeah, it's all about balance. And sometimes, I mean, I and then they have an entrepreneurial spirit as well. They have a creative spirit. So sometimes they help me, but I do love their encouragement. They don't try to be like, mom, you're, you're out too much or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because you brought them up, you cannot show them the way. I almost said I gave them my best years, but hopefully I I still got some more best years. (laughs) Well, you got got plenty coming. You got plenty coming. And then you have a photography studio. How did that come about? 
I want a studio. I have a photography business. So I've always loved pictures. And when I was finishing up my master's, I took, I finally was able to fit in my schedule two of the photography classes. And when I was finishing up the second class, I was just like, it's like a light bulb was like, why don't you do photography? Why don't, because I've always, even when I was younger, I would always go through my grandmother's photographs. It doesn't matter if I've seen it a hundred times. I would always, like, I've always loved pictures. And so I had a dream one night that I was taking, but it was of nature. I had a dream I was taking pictures, but I was a photographer. And when I woke up, I got a text and it said, this person is getting married and is having an intimate wedding and has always loved your photography. Would you mind photographing the event? And I'm just like, I was floored because like a week before I was like, I should buy a camera. And I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up doing the photography on my iPhone, which I have an iPhone 11. So the camera is pretty awesome. Thank God. But after that, I got my, I got some suggestions. I got my beginner's camera, but yeah, it just kind of manifested. (laughs) Well, and, and being creative is bring something out in us, right? What kind of satisfaction do you get when you out photographing and taking all these beautiful pictures? I know I've seen some of them on Facebook. So thank you. The interesting thing is it's kind of nerve wracking and I'm trying to figure out, do I really like portrait photography or do I like landscape and nature photography? (laughs) Because they can't talk back to me. (laughs) (laughs) Do people talk back to you? You know, it could be nerve wracking. Be like, are they going to like it? Is it? So there's that component to it, but it's been awesome. More recently, I've taken pictures of a couple products, which was, and it's, it's such an amazing feeling to see your work in a program or like a snippet of a commercial. So that has been very rewarding. That's very nice. Now, you touched on your kids a little bit, and I want to go a little deeper, right? As a young mother, you had to balance raising your kids, going to school, studying, working, etc. How difficult was it? And how did you get through that? Oh, it takes a village. It was very difficult. I even have a a migraine coming on right now. So throw in their health issues. (laughs) (laughs) Throw in their health issues. It was very challenging. Thank God for my family, honestly, my grandmother who has since passed on, but my mom, my sister, my dad, it just, it takes a village. And when I couldn't take them certain places, my aunts would take them, my friends. Yeah. I'm not going to get teary out here, but I feel like I've sacrificed a lot, but I don't regret it. There were times where I had to like do my homework, waiting for them to finish soccer or something like that. But there were times where they had to go without me to their concert because I had a migraine. So I think it was different, but as it was also, thank God at the end of the day, we're we're here. We're still here. (laughs) They're all in one piece. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned your family and you had a strong support system. And church. I, I didn't mention my church at the time. I, I've since transitioned out, but I grew up under a pastor who definitely kept us in prayer, definitely encouraged us when I was going through. So that was very instrumental as well. Well, if somebody found themselves in your shoes, what story would you share to inspire them? What, what would be something you could share with them what tools did you use that helped you through your difficult moments and easy moments because there are people who have strong support systems like you did there are some that may not have how could they find that etc so something you could share that will open i would first 
I would first say be open to ask for help and accept the help because even still to this day, sometimes it's hard for me to say, hey, I need help because <laughs> I'm just used to trying to push through and do it myself. Also, halfway through my master's, I had a class with a psychologist and he told me about some features and accessibility that I could have because of my migraines. And that, I don't know if I would have finished my master's without that, or I probably would have been just balled over in tears, but there's technology I could have gotten that I started to get. There is like when I, I get the textbooks now, I can have the software read it to me. If I have a migraine, I don't have to strain my eyes to like, and I can get letters for the instructors that took a lot of weight off of me because I get migraines periodically. So I would get behind sometimes and the stress of getting behind and trying to catch up, it all just, it would compound. But once I started asking for help, once I started taking the help, once I started using tools that really helped me. Yeah, I think I touched on all of that. Yeah. All right. So if you have young girls dating, it's kind of a cool thing to have and do, right? What would you say to them? And I would say take some time to get to know yourself. As some of you don't know, if you're listening to this, I was a teen mom twice over. So I had, I was pregnant with my second child when I was graduating high school and then I was married at 19. So I don't think I took the time to know myself at all. (laughs) What do I like? What do I want? I don't even know. I didn't know. I didn't know what healthy love was. And then when I found out years later what it was, it was hard for me to accept it without being suspicious. So I would just say, take some time, get to know people. And if you take some time, the real them will uncover themselves. (laughs) Right, right. And focus on your studies, focus on your goals. I know it's easier said than done because we like companionship and fellowship, but I think I would be much further than I am right now if I didn't have certain distractions. There are, I would say, no regrets on any journey. Right. Because God knows what would have happened differently. Right. If you had done it differently. So your experience, however... And it's not a straight path, right? It kind right. of meanders, goes around, et cetera, that it leads you somewhere. And wherever you are is the right place to be. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Oh, I definitely think that. And I should have thrown in there. I have no regrets, especially with my children. But at the same time, I think there are some things I could have avoided if I made better choices. Oh, my um, goodness. I some think hardship that I could have of- myself. <laughs> There are a lot of women out there that would say the same things. Yeah. We we all have things in our lives that we wish we had done differently. I could mm-hmm. tell you quite a few. Yeah. And I wrote some of it in my book. So, no, but I didn't share everything, right? <laughs> I can assure you there are some things I wish I had done differently. But then when you look at the totality of this life experience, it, it sheds more light into our relationship with the divine, right? Yeah. And and how we can really tap into, because if you hadn't gone through certain challenges, you wouldn't know that connection on a deeper level. Right. Two things come to mind when you say that, though. The first is, I told my story because, and I tell when, when I see certain people, I tell them because they could be in the same situation I am, I was in. And they know they they can see in me that they can get out of that situation. But the second thing is someone could also read my story and say, hey, I'm going to learn from her mistake and I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I'm not going to go that way. So I think it could be either of the two. 
And even with college, sometimes, you know, when I'm talking to young people about college, I'm like, have to follow the path that I followed. This is the path that I chose. And I felt like it would help me and my family. But you don't have to go that way. My thing is, I just want to inspire people to do what they, their goals, what they want to do. I don't want them to copy what I'm doing. Because right. I mean, we don't need duplicates. What We're unique. We each need each other's differences. So... Well, as, as unique beings, right, one of the things I would say is we were all given unique gifts mm-hmm. that no one can replicate what we do. Yeah. And with that, we can really forge a path forward that really opens up our relationship, not only spiritually, but in the emotional, mental, physical levels to really have a joyful life experience or experiences. Mm-hmm. And so what brought you to ministry? Because you, you are an ordained minister. Yes, I am a minister. I became licensed in 2005 and ordained in 2013 as a reverend. I don't know. It was a really challenging time in my life. And I was able to dive deeper into the word more and study more. And then I asked my pastor one day, I said, how do you know if you're called to ministry? And he's like, you'll know. So another year went by and I'm like in my house preaching to my couches and stuff. And I'm writing, writing and sermon, Mm -hmm. writing sermons and stuff. And then one Sunday, like a year or so later, he calls me and another, she's older than me, another woman up to the, to the front. And he's like, I'm going to license you guys to preach. And I was just, I wasn't totally surprised, but I was just like, whoa, I was right. What I felt in myself. (laughs) So there are ministers and stuff in my family. So it wasn't totally foreign, but I can't say that when I was younger, it's something I saw myself doing. All right. And I always encourage people, most of my clients, I think would agree with me on this, that whatever conversations we're having about changing our lives and implementing new strategies to make life better, I include having a spiritual practice. That is, I think, the core of who we are as Mm -hmm. spiritual beings having a spiritual experience or a physical experience on this Mm -hmm. planet. And so why is spiritual practice important? It's important to me to help keep me grounded. It gives me hope. Even when I was down and discouraged and and, uh, felt like I couldn't pray or do anything like that, I could Music is powerful. I actually also went to therapy finally, which is kind of a stigma in the Christian community a little bit. So I forgot to mention that as a tool that helped me to grow. But yeah, we need to process our feelings. We need to to give it over to God. I was able to process my feelings also through my faith. So I don't know where I would be without my faith. It has gotten me to where I am now. There are some things I would have never done or tried if I didn't have faith. No. (laughs) Faith is important, but if you're not able to sort out your the issues you're talking about in your mind, it won't work. And so, mm. because if your mind is telling, because the mind goes, how many thoughts per, it changes. It can be positive or not so positive. So I think I, it's funny because the, the teacher, the psychology teacher I was talking to you about had us write a paper and it was It was about duality and it was about nature versus nurture or something like that. And I had to throw in there spirituality because even when I felt within myself 
And I was a minister at this time that I was so discouraged. I mean, I would have crying spells, like <laughs> I would wear my feelings on my sleeves, but something deep down inside knew that God was able to help me. So I don't know. I, I felt like I went through the motions and did what I had to do and struggled and cried and even acted out sometimes. But deep down, I kind of knew. And we all have to get to that place to know we all it's choice. It really is choice that can really determine our path in life and our next step and where we end up. A lot of people don't think about that. They think really about short term versus long term. But I had to make choice after choice. And it brought me where I am today. And it was a small choice. It wasn't this huge choice of I'm going to have faith. I just, I took one step at a time, one moment at a time, one minute at a time. What is this stigma amongst Christians and counseling? I, I don't. It's, you should talk to Jesus, not a therapist. Okay. Yes. So if you, if you need to talk to a therapist, you don't, you probably don't have enough faith. Really? Mm-hmm. How did that come about? I need to research that, but it infuriates me. When I hear people talk about you don't need therapy or even some medications or even some mental illnesses, they'll say is demonic or whatever. And I'm just like, you can't tell people struggling with that, that it's demonic. What are you talking about? It's just that you haven't been to school and you don't understand. Just say you don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so glad you're there, you know, to kind of give people a different look at really getting counseling and help. I did that. There was a certain time in my life where things were so difficult, too difficult to handle. And I do have somebody that I uh, lean on, even now, I lean on and connect with, you know, to sort things out because it can be quite a lot. And so when we discourage people from really looking at the things that would help them, I don't think it's a spiritual way of being at all. And then maybe it's physical versus uh, tangible versus intangible, I should say. We get cut. We don't say, oh, pray about it. Go to the doctor. Go to the store and get some Band-Aids. But if it's something we can't see, it's like, then it's something that only God can handle. Maybe. I mean, I really, I've never really pondered the question past what I just said, but now I feel like I need to dive deeper into it. But (laughs) I would like, maybe we should have this conversation later and see how we can open doors for people to really use the resources available to them to heal, right? Because there are quite a lot and a lot of opportunities out there that could really, you know, change things for people Mm -hmm. if they could really just trust that that is also part of or the pathway to God, if, if that's how they see it. There isn't a vacuum between us and God. Otherwise, all these systems wouldn't exist right. at all, right? So let's let's have the conversation because I think we can help a lot of people. I'd like that. All right. So what is one tool you use? We use prayer. You said singing. Do you sing? I do. I've you always have a loved him. Favorite? No, I don't have favorite to anything. It's like I don't have a favorite movie. I like it so much. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can't say that I have a favorite. I get stuck in. I, I I think it's whatever season I'm in. Okay, so if I were to say pick something, a tune, what would it be? Uh, I'm thinking. I, well, when you say him, I'm thinking of an old school him. Anything like, that is is inspiring. What comes to mind? 
One of them is a James Cleveland song that says, I just can't give up now. I've come too far from where I've started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. I don't believe he, he's brought me this far to leave me. You want to tone it out for us to? Oh. <laughs> okay. I know. I put you on the spot here. <laughs> okay. I just can't give up now. I've come too far from where I started from. And nobody told me the road would be easy. And I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me. And some of those songs I would just sing over and over to get it in my heart and get it in my spirit. When I, when I felt like I couldn't pray, I would sing songs like that over and over. I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me. I'm not by myself. It's going to get better. So when people talk about affirmations and positive affirmations, I kind of do it in a different way, but I'm still repeating and meditating on the words of God, but someone just put it into a song, someone put it into a melody. And we're told in the Bible to make melody in our hearts before. All right. That was beautiful. Felt deeply touched by that. And I could feel the depth of what you were saying, the words and the emotions that go along with it. Thank you. I put you on the spot and you really <laughs> stepped into it. So as we wrap up, I just want to ask, is there something in general, whatever you want to share with people in your generation? As I said, you're the first I've interviewed and had conversations with a lot of women of power and grace, and you're here as a woman of power and grace. What would you share with your generation as to how to look at life? I would say to start with yourself. I had to stop looking outside of myself and because I could easily blame a lot of other things and people for where I was or where I am, but then that takes my power away. So I need to, to be able to be in a place where I know the choices I'm making, the, the reasons why I'm making those choices, and making sure that they are beneficial choices to push me forward or pull even my family forward. Like the step I took to go to therapy, that was a choice I had to make. No one made me go. Like sometimes if you get in trouble and you go to court and they say you're court ordered to go to therapy, <laughs> it shouldn't have to be to that degree. I wanted to finally unpack what I had gone through up until that point and figure out, do some introspection, do some research and figure out now, how can I move past that? How can I grow? How can I even help somebody else? Because if you're, if you're especially called to ministry, things that sit in the back of your mind is how can I help somebody else? I want to help somebody else get out of the, where they are to understand that it doesn't have to end. It doesn't have to, you don't have to quit and give up. There's better. Uh, sometimes I don't like saying better because I feel like then if you say whatever had passed is horrible. I'm not saying my past was totally horrible, but I'm just saying there is a future ahead for you. Right. And the light is always at the end. Yes. Right. And there are rainbows. I believe in rainbows. Mm -hmm. They show up sometimes when we think everything is gloomy. The weather can be terrible. And then there we have a rainbow. And yes, yeah. one of my favorite quotes that I because I also 
I journal once in a while, but I also do like picture quotes a lot. And one of them that God gave me a while ago was even in bitter times, God gives sweet moments. And I really believe that even though I feel like I was also, I say in my book, I was in, I felt like I was in an extended period of like mourning for one reason or another of depression for one reason or another, once in a while, he would just allow me to experience some sweetness. (laughs) Yes. And it comes in many wonderful ways, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? It comes through not only ourselves, but children, our family, friends, acquaintances, even strangers can shine a light on our paths. And I think you said something that is really important. I think everyone should have in their lives is, and that is also using whatever we've learned on this journey and help somebody else, right? So as we get into the end of this conversation, and I have always expressed, I'm very, very, very proud of you, uh, you for the woman that you are. You're really so grounded. It's, it's amazing. And the environment we worked in, I don't think anybody could relate to that if we were to put it in words. But as we close, who do you think a woman of power and grace is? Who is a woman of power and grace? The first thing that came to mind was my grandmother who has passed on. But I think a woman of power and grace is a woman who is empathetic, who is compassionate, a woman who commands but doesn't demand, like her presence calls for it because of who she is, because of her character. And that's what I strive to be. I strive to be somebody that my parents are proud of, my children are proud of. I strive to surround myself with those type of women. So that's what comes to mind. That's beautiful. Thank you. And so as we close, and I want to express gratitude to all our listeners all around the world, that I appreciate each and every one of you and for making this conversation continue and bring other tools to everyone else so that we can help one another, as Tina so brilliantly expressed. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Tina. Thank you.